This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Welcome back to Sportsbook. We are talking about the NBA, continuing the recent trend in our episodes. NFL is in the rearview mirror. We're talking about basketball, both NBA and college. March Madness, of course, the corruption probe continues. And we'll be checking in again soon with our friends at Yahoo Sports to talk about that. Last week, as our listeners know, we were lucky enough to have Draymond Green here in the building. Spoke to him about business off the court. And we're sticking with NBA this week as news keeps coming out regarding the Mavericks, among other storylines. Lots to talk about in the NBA. And it's a good time to take a look at NBA fantasy. Of course, earlier in the life of this podcast, we devoted a few episodes to talking about daily fantasy sports, specifically fantasy football. But we want to turn our attention to fantasy basketball. And the perfect guest to talk about this is our friend, Alex Reclean. He is a NBA fantasy specialist, writes for a number of places, including RotoWire, DraftKings, and us, Yahoo. So we'll bring him in now. Hey, Alex. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, let's start this way. You know, a few months back when we were mid-football season, I had in the then-CEOs, I have to say then because Nigel Eccles has since left the company, but I had the CEOs of DraftKings and FanDuel in here in the same week. And one thing that surprised me, and maybe to hardcore fantasy guys like you, it, it wasn't a surprise, or maybe you knew this, you probably did, but I would bet most people don't realize this. Both of them told me that NBA fantasy is either already bigger by revenue or soon to surpass NFL in terms of entry fees, revenue generated. Now, that's, of course, for daily fantasy, for DraftKings and FanDuel. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Uh, clearly, NBA fantasy is where the growth is going to come from for daily fantasy, not necessarily football. Yeah, NBA fantasy has really been picking up over um, the last decade or so. Um, I, you know, the, at, at RotoWire, I was talking to some some of the, the head guys about this over the summer, and um, for a long time, you know, it was sort of 60% football, 30% baseball, and all of the other sports combined sort of squeezed into that final 10%. And over the last several years, it's really basketball has caught up and passed baseball in terms of um, season-long leagues. And as you just said, in, in daily leagues, basketball is, is nipping right at the heels of the NFL. See, what's interesting to me about that is, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the average sports fan, and I'll use myself or even any of my friends in New York just anecdotally, who plays season-long fantasy football, season-long NBA is, is kind of a different proposition. I imagine that if you draft your roster before the season starts for NBA fantasy, and I'm talking just about season-long, I would think that that's the kind of game where you'd have to make changes more often. I mean, you, you don't know. There's a, a different starting five every night maybe and, and maybe injuries more common. I, I think it – I just imagine it would have to be more involved than season-long football. Um, it does, but there are different, there are different formats. So um, there, are, there are sort of two very popular formats. Uh, there's – where you there are formats where you change your lineups every day, and in that case, yes, it's absolutely much more involved with than fantasy football, although not quite as involved as fantasy baseball. Um, right. But there is a, a weekly format where you set your lineup usually Monday before tip off, so usually that's seven o'clock Eastern, um, 
and that's your lineup for the week. Um, and there are pros to that kind of format, and there are you know cons to it, obviously. But one of the pros is it does make the game a little bit more accessible to the more casual fan who doesn't want to commit to setting their lineup every single day. Right. I was just thinking with basketball, there's just playing more games, so many games to, uh, right. to track and worry about that, that I would think it might take a little bit more of a devoted fan. I mean, the average person who watches at least one football game per week, but maybe even only that, they can still do season-long fantasy football. It's kind of easy. You can draft your roster before the season starts and just leave it for the most part. I mean, you make some mm-hmm. changes, but you don't necessarily need to be actively trading, checking the waiver wire every week. I just imagine basketball is more involved. It is. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a, a board game nerd. You know, I've played all of the um, settlers. I'm deep into the <laughs> settlers of Catan universe. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I imagine there's definitely an overlap there with fantasy and, and board games. <laughs> there is. Um, actually, uh, some, of the, some of the other fantasy analysts I know are making their own board games. Uh, but so if you're into if you're into that sort of game and that sort of type of strategy problem, I, then sort of fantasy basketball can be a much I, I find it a much more enjoyable puzzle. Um, I found the, I found fantasy. I like the pace of fantasy football the way I love the weekly pace. I think that's great that everyone plays the same number of days. But I found the sort of one score fits all format almost a little too simple and that's really what attracted me to fantasy basketball was balancing these other factors of you know yeah this guy's great at scoring but he doesn't get many rebounds or vice versa so there is definitely a a different appeal to it um which to some people is a a huge attraction yeah you know, without getting too granular into the nitty-gritty of drafting and, and how it all works, there was a, a tweet that you put up this week that I thought was interesting, or, or at least it led me to, to wonder what was going on here. You said, fantasy basketball drafts next season are going to be really interesting. Strategic drafting will be more important than recent years. This year marked a turning point in availability of blocks and threes. Tell me a little bit more about this. What has changed this year with the NBA that has had an impact on how you would draft for NBA fantasy? So I think it all, I think it in large part comes from this trend that's been taking place over the last couple of years where the NBA at large has been shooting a lot more three-pointers. Mm. Um, Curry, et cetera. Yeah, uh, the, Rockets are, the Rockets with um, Chris Paul and James Harden are, are really sort of at the forefront of it now, but the Warriors are probably how a lot of people heard of it with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Um, but that explosion of three-pointers has really changed how offenses and defenses play. And one of the impacts of that is you have to, you're no, you're no longer guarding just the key. You're now guarding a much larger area. And so there's in, in most cases, most, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying here, but there's only one person who's really down in the lane, guarding the basket, accumulating a lot of blocks you know, most of the time in most lineups. Uh. And so, so what that's meant is that um, over the last several years, fewer and fewer players have been accumulating more than one block a game. Oh, wow. And, and um, 
you know, the, um, the total amount of blocks by the top 40 shot blockers hasn't changed a ton. But they're blocking more shots while the rest of the league is blocking less shots. Wow. And when you talk um, about availability of blocks and you capitalized blocks, so that, that's a term you guys use. Blocks are, you know, players who rack up blocks. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Um, in, in fantasy basketball, the most, most common setting, um, you are simultaneously competing across several different categories. And so, you know, I want to beat you in more categories than you beat me, and the categories are points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, um, field goal percentage, free throw percentage. And so blocks is, is, you know, one of eight or nine categories that's, and, and it's really shifted with, yeah. to the point where if you're not drafting for blocks, if you're not selecting those players at the start of the season, there's nothing you can do. And in fantasy football, if you don't get a good tight end, right. you can pick up an okay tight end on waiver wires. Um, you can't, you're not going to be able to do that as much in blocks you weren't able to this year. We didn't know that ahead of time. Now we know ahead of time. You're not really going to be able to do that next year. Well, let's zoom out a little bit. As a guy who watches so much NBA and studies it, I want to ask you about sort of the growth of the league, its popularity. Uh, it's a good time to be talking about this because I, I think the recent surge in popularity of the NBA, a lot of people credit it partially to Adam Silver and his leadership and it's a good time to be talking about that because, of course, with the recent news about the Mavericks and a lot of allegations about harassment and, and the workplace culture there over the years, uh, the onus and the responsibility, a lot of people think, now rests on Adam Silver to sort of investigate or to handle the results of that investigation. And so without getting too much into the Mavericks, I just want to say it, a lot of people think that the NBA has made itself the most progressive league, the most open league. Uh, in terms of social issues, definitely. the players are definitely the most outspoken politically. You know, obviously LeBron is a leader in that way, but just, just a few days ago we saw Kobe Bryant win an Oscar, and he said, I know we're supposed to shut up and dribble, and he referenced the, the same thing that, you know, LeBron has criticized, the, the Laura Ingram quote. Mm -hmm. So with, with all that being considered, I mean, what do you think has, has fueled that the most? How important is that to the popularity of the league? And, I mean, arguably, it's probably not a stretch to think that the league's popularity, especially fueled by social media, probably helps spur participation in fantasy NBA. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that Adam Silver does deserve credit. Um, I think that Roger Goodell deserves some credit for the growth of the NBA. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that some of the mismanagement of, of things in the NFL is really opening a window for the NBA to sort of swoop in and, and take some fans away, frankly. Right. Um, I, uh, but yeah, I mean, people talk a lot about how the NBA, you, it's a more personal league. Um, players are wearing very, you know, less clothes. You can see all of their tattoos. You can see their face. You, um, there yeah. are only five players on the court at a time. That's right. a lot different from football where there are, you know, 22 starters on a team and you can consider yourself you can fairly consider yourself a football fan a, a fan of a team and not know all of the linemen on your own team yes but that's half the starters um you know that that doesn't it's hard to consider yourself 
um, a Celtics fan if you don't at least know the names of sort of the Celtics four or five best players. Um, and so that's sort of, it, it makes the personal story a lot more interesting. And when you tie that in with how accessible these players have made themselves on social media, uh, you know, these Ben Simmons, uh, one of the guys who who is going to be one of the next big superstars in the league. He's one of he's one of the leading contenders for Rookie of the Year. He, you know, is openly flirting with models on Instagram. <laughs> right. um, Not to mention yeah, Porzingis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Porzingis. It's the, it's the same thing with Kristaps Porzingis earlier this season. Yeah, these are the the best players or the face of teams in major cities, Philadelphia and New York are what, two of the top six or seven largest cities in the country. Yeah. And these stars are flirting with models in with all of us able to see right. their their attempt and how the models are responding. <laughs> um and it just sort of makes them feel a little bit more personal, which which is fun. It's it's playful, you know. NBA social media is a really enjoyable place to be. Um, I spent uh, I spent a couple hours just laughing at soup jokes last last week <laughs> after one of the Cavs players got suspended for quote throwing soup at an assistant coach. <laughs> yeah, J.R. Smith. Yeah, <laughs> and we all wonder what exactly. Uh, man, I I would love to see video of that moment, but yeah, I want to know. So you would think that he threw if he threw the whole can of soup the whole bowl, whatever, you'd think they would have said the container of soup and you would think they would have included that. So right. everyone's talking about what kind of soup it was. I want to know how he threw it. Did he hold the bowl and sort of toss it? <laughs> Did he reach his hand in and just sort of like freewheel it like that? You know, is this more of, more of a scoop? There are a lot of questions that we need to know about, about soup gate. Yeah, these are important questions. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned Twitter a little bit. It, it does seemed to me, and now I have some recent experience that, that I'll tell you about, that it's just NBA Twitter, man. I mean, NBA Twitter is, is lit. It's, it's, it's such a... It's fun. It's such a community. Um, in the last few it weeks, I, I saw this firsthand. There were two different instances where I tweeted something just quickly, nonchalantly, that I certainly didn't expect would be any, you know, big item. Uh, and in both cases, they sort of went like mini viral, like, you know, more than 2,000 retweets. And both of them were, were things that I was just sharing something I saw apropos of nothing. The first was I just happened to look at Instagram at my desk in the middle of the day, and I, it just happened that I saw a LeBron post like one minute after he posted it. And this was already a few weeks back, but it was right before he hit that career milestone of, was it 30,000 points? Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. He and, hit, that um, couple, hit that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and he, he had posted a photo of himself – when he was in high school and he was congratulating himself. And so I took yeah, a screenshot. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I took a screenshot and I tweeted and I just said, LeBron just posted to Instagram to congratulate LeBron on 30,000 points, which he hasn't actually hit yet. Cause, and the post was like, tonight you're going to hit a big milestone. I'm proud of you King. And it just went nuts and went off. And I was like, Whoa. And I just think it's proof. Well now, and the second time was a few weeks back. SI managed to get a hold of Derek Rose's, endorsement deal contract with Adidas, which, you know, mm. I think the average person, you know, you never think about Derrick Rose anymore. He sort of doesn't, he's really not one of the league's top stars, and yet he's still making so much money from this super long-term Adidas contract he signed. 
but it was an interesting story. I, you know, I had nothing to do with the story, but I read it and sort of buried in the third paragraph or so was something I thought was the most interesting part of the whole story. And that was that as part of his contract, he negotiated, uh, Adidas pays his brother and his best friend like a hundred grand each every year as consultants. So I tweeted that out and that went off. And yeah, I, it's just I, like, I it's NBA Twitter. Consultant. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But man, the, the engagement is so high. I mean, you alluded to this, but I think part of it, the NBA is just a smaller league. Like all the players know each other. They hang out clearly, even when they're not in the same team. And there's, a, there's only a small number of really elite NBA trainers. Um, one of the things that if you're looking for it, you'll see is over the summer, all of these players post their workout videos um, and it happens to show that one moment where they happened to make, you know, seven of eight shots. And even though they missed every other shot that hour, that somehow the Instagram video only shows that one clip where they were on fire. Right. It's the same trainer passing them the ball in all of these shots. Cause you know, you, you see the shot go in, you see the, the trainer get the rebound and pass it. It's the same guy in all of these. So, so all of these people, um, have the same elite trainers. They have the same, um, they're in this really tight knit community where they've been overlapping and seeing each other for decades. And, and there's no way that any of us can compare, can, we don't have similar life experiences. These people were never, were never normal. They Mm. physically stand out. I mean, when you walk by someone who's six four, just like on the street, you're, you notice. Yeah, six four is the smallest NBA player. You know, these play, people stood out from the time that they were in seventh grade. They got different treatment their whole life, not necessarily because of their NBA skills, but just because they've been different. And so they identify with each other on a level that we just can't appreciate. Um, and I think it's made their community just so interesting for us to watch. Yeah. yeah I'll never forget uh, standing next to Robert Parrish at Donnellan's in Wayland, Mass, uh, when I was <laughs> younger, who was seven feet tall. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I ran into, I, I think I sent you the picture. I ran into Sharif Abdurrahim. Yeah. Um, at Sloan. You know, you and I traded like rookie cards of him <laughs> in, in the 90s. Uh, and he just towers over me. I'm, I'm, right. I'm up to his belly button. I'm not a tiny person. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, actually a year ago, I did a story on this footlocker opening in New York city and, uh, Joakim Noah was there as the oh, player. He's real tall. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm six one and I stood next to him and interviewed him on camera and I have this photo where he's looking down at me. I, I look like a munchkin from the wizard of Oz next to him. Yeah. I, I <laughs> remember I once, um, was interviewed. I once was, um, you know, at a post-game press conference with Joachim Noel, or not Joachim Noel, um, Nerland's Noel. Uh, oh. And my arm was tired from reaching straight up. <laughs> right. Just holding the, holding the, I mean, but someone said recently that, you know, the NBA, it's, it's sort of almost a combination of all the things we like about reality te- television in terms of like being a voyeur in these other people's lives and the Olympics where you have these, superhuman phenomena right doing things that we just how can humans do that (laughs) yeah i really like that idea especially we're talking about the social media appeal 
Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the voyeur element, that's true. Um, you mentioned Ben Simmons, and I wanted to make sure I ask you about sort of the, the league's new guard of young stars. There's definitely a new guard that's coming up. Oh, yeah. um, I mentioned Porzingis. He's up there. There are these guys who are emerging. Anthony Davis, a couple seasons now. Um, mm-hmm. you, you see, you know, Giannis is just so compelling uh, on and off the court. And I, related to that, you know, I, I mentioned last week we had uh, Draymond Green in here. He came on one of our live shows, and we used uh, my conversation with him for last week's episode. And there was something interesting. I, I thought I asked him about whether – any other athletes, NBA or outside the NBA, have influenced him in terms of business? Is there anyone he's looked to that he thinks has been a good role model? And you wouldn't have expected this because it's, you know, Warriors versus Cavs, but he said LeBron. Or maybe it's not that surprising, but, you know, he credited LeBron and he said, LeBron has opened so many doors for all of us in business. And I tweeted out that quote. And sometimes there's something that you just think is so non-controversial and then you're surprised by a lot of people mm. giving the same response. And like four or five people replied to me and said something that I never would have thought of, which is they said, uh, Jordan. And they were like, uh, he's crediting the wrong guy. How about Michael Jordan? And you tell me if I'm wrong, but I just thought, that's stupid. I mean, okay, yes, credit to Michael Jordan, but Jordan doesn't play anymore. He's not as – I mean, who, Jordan was once the biggest athlete on the planet, but who is the biggest athlete on the planet right now? It's LeBron James. Like, I don't think Michael Jordan is relevant to Draymond Green's life. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, there are communities, especially you referenced NBA Twitter, um, advocates of, of Jordan and, yeah. and interestingly enough, Derek Rose, you know, they are, they are diehard and, and any right. perceived slight, they will jump at. Um, and, but you're absolutely right. Michael Jordan has has very little to do with Draymond Green's life, and and I don't think that Jordan is relevant to these players talking about the power that they feel right now. Yes, um, right. Because Jordan was never the president of the Players Association. J- Jordan or was never. I don't think LeBron's the president, but he's. I think he's on the board. Um, I, you know he. Jordan didn't take it upon himself to be an ambassador for the other players in the league the way that LeBron James has. And that's not front of mind to the casual fan. You you only know that type of thing if you're looking for it. But LeBron James only signs max contracts. Um, He doesn't, you know, you see Kevin Durant uh, take a pay cut to go play with the Warriors. LeBron James, he, he... gets the most money possible and i think he would will continue to do that even if it interferes with the quality of his team he has enough money yeah. he's not most of his money isn't coming from his nda contract it's coming from endorsements right um it's coming from his business ventures but because he is trying to be that ambassador and that advocate for the rest of the league He's only taking mass, um, you know, the maximum contract that league rules permit, and he is trying to actively go out and and set these examples and pave the way for other NBA fans. And Jordan didn't do that, and that's not an attack on Jordan. It's it's not necessarily the responsibility of the best player in the league to take this upon himself. Exactly. But this is something that LeBron wanted to do and is doing exactly as as lebron and durant and westbrook and chris paul and some of these guys 
eventually, soon enough, age out. Who do you think are going to be the biggest stars of five, six seasons from now? We talked about Man. Chris Stapps. We talked about Ben Simmons. Yeah, we're kind of – it's the NBA is in a great place right now in terms of just stars and star potential. So, you know, you still have LeBron James as sort of the clear best. And there's three or four players who make a legitimate argument for who's second best. Mm. Um, and then you have Anthony Davis, who's 24. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who is 23. Uh, and both of them have been in the league for several years and are already established as sort of top seven guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and they but are they're having they're having breakout seasons. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Um, if James Harden wasn't going quite as crazy as he is, then they would be an NBA MVP consideration. Yeah. Their current season transplanted to other years right. are MB, MVP quality. But this is this year and last year have been two really unique NBA uh, or MVP races. Uh, but then you also have, you have Ben Simmons coming up. You have Joel Embiid coming up. Both on, the Sixers. Donovan, yeah. both on the Sixers. You have Donovan Mitchell, the rookie for um, the Utah Jazz, who looks like he could be a superstar. Um, you and, and the current um, draft class has four or five players who look like, who, who they are, who are primed to be NBA superstars. Um, you've got uh, Aiton uh, out of Arizona. I mean, these are people who you're going to be able to watch over the next couple of weeks in the tournament. Um, Aiton right. out of Arizona, uh, Bamba out of Texas. These guys are monsters yeah. compared to the rest of the NCAA, and they stand out. You, you, you know, blurrily open your eyes towards a TV screen with those guys on the court and you can find them in seconds just because they tower over everyone. Yeah. Um, Bagley out of Duke is another one. So those guys have a ton of potential. The two Celtics wings, J um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, yeah. could be sort of superstar level. It's a little too soon to, to say. Devin Booker on the Oh, yeah, Booker. Is, yep. he, you know, he had a... He had one of the 10 highest scoring games in NBA history last season. Right. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and all of these, every player I've mentioned is 24 or younger. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I mean, these are guys who are years away from hitting their prime. Yeah. The future is, is very bright for this league. And as I mentioned Absolutely. earlier, uh, you know, it, after two seasons in a row in which most of the NFL news was negative, uh, with the NBA, you see the very opposite effect. And so a, a good way to finish up is to bring it back to, to where we started in terms of fantasy. I mean, eventually, do you think that fantasy NBA can surpass fantasy football in terms of users, participation, all that? Yes, but it'll be hard. I think um, the problem is what we were talking about earlier, is that there are... The, the fantasy NBA hasn't sort of found its sweet spot in terms of how to maximize the quality game strategy versus ease of use and ease of entry. Um, and it needs to sort of get there. It needs to finalize that piece in order to really take over the NFL's market share in terms of fantasy. But I think that it can very much compete 
Uh, it can very much get get very close. Uh, and if the NFL falls back from its status as far right. and away the number one league, right. then then that also opens the door. But I think, I mean, you've done some good reporting on that. That that may that day may come, but we're still a long way away from. Yes, exactly, absolutely. I, I always say in terms of daily fantasy, you know, the rise of DraftKings and FanDuel, I feel a little bit, you know, I, I believe they're still growing, but it has leveled off. And I think the reason is in maybe two years ago when they burst onto the scene and did a bunch of advertising, a lot of the hype was people said, this, this format can be bigger than season long. And now, boy, I don't know if that's really plausible anymore. I just think maybe the interest among the average sports fan isn't there to, to participate at that level and that frequency. But mm-hmm. maybe the rise of NBA fantasy is what can bring new users in more than football. Yeah, I think at some point um, for both football and for basketball, uh, ne- there will be better ways to watch these sports. There, there will be options that cater to fantasy players yeah. and people who are watching the sport with a fantasy interest. And as those options come available and come along, that will really do a lot to continue to grow and spread the market. Yeah, those things go hand in hand, definitely. The, the change in viewership options and the participation in fantasy, definitely. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep watching it, and we'll have to check in with you soon enough to, to track those changes. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay, that was Alex Reclean, a fantasy NBA specialist. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Reclean, R-I-K-L-E-E-N. And as we keep watching the NBA this season and the rise of young stars like we were just discussing, I think you're going to keep seeing sports business media especially compare the NBA to the NFL. In the NFL, the stories are mostly negative, declining viewership in primetime, difficulty of watching your team when it's an out-of-market game, various scandals on and off the field, rules problems, people complaining about bad matchups, and of course, uh, hyper-recent news, Papa John's falling out as the official pizza of the NFL being replaced by Pizza Hut. And just this week, Peyton Manning, the football face of Papa John's, unloading a bunch of his Papa John's franchises. So a lot of the storylines are negative. Then you look at the NBA and it's all, oh, Adam Silver, he supports legalized sports betting and regulated sports betting. He's very progressive. The NBA fosters political and social commentary by its players. NBA Twitter is really compelling and the community is fascinating. So Look for that trend to continue and look for people to keep comparing, even if it's not fair necessarily, the NBA to the NFL. So we'll keep monitoring that. Thanks for listening, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Sportsbook Podcast. We're easy to find. We're on all the platforms. And we'll be back next Thursday with more. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.